0: Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.
1: It's time for Distractions with Chad and Nate. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Now, here's Chad and Nate.
0: Yesterday was Coach uh, Mike Shanahan's 70th birthday Um, and listening to Mark and Mike this morning, um, Mark was like, oh, my gosh, my wife reminded me to text coach and and I forgot. I'm going to make sure I get one out today. Um, And, you know, you can tell in that conversation there was a there's that reverence for Coach Shanahan, and I've heard you talk about Coach Shanahan as well, and you have a reverent tone in your voice when you speak about him. Um, and so, I think a lot of us have had these experiences with coaches along the way, um, where the term "coach" um, is an, an an honorific title that that this person has earned through their you know energy and passion and focus into us into making us better players, better people, turning boys into men all that kind of stuff. So no matter, you know, where this coach was for you, Pop Warner, high school, college, NFL, uh, these guys have this tremendous impact. Um, And so hearing Mark talk about that, I thought this would be a good time to remind all the listeners that, yeah, your coach would love to hear from you. Uh, I think there's nothing better for a coach to, than to hear back uh, from the guys who he coached and what his words or what his lessons meant to you and and how foundational uh, that time with this coach was for you. Um, Whenever I uh, talk about youth coaching, um, you know, if my wife's around, you know, she wants to inform everybody about how much love I had for those kids and those kids had for me. It was an awesome experience. You know, at the end of the year party after your celebration, you know, we broke it down one more time. A lot of the kids were crying. It was emotional because it was such a great connection between all of us. Um, those experiences are awesome. So if you have an opportunity to coach, I recommend you give it a shot. If you've been a coach, um, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, one of the uh, awesome things that happened for me as a, from a former player recently was his dad uh, sent me the screenshot of his senior picture in the yearbook, and you get a chance to have your senior quote in the yearbook. And his senior quote was, don't be that guy, which is a phrase I said all the time whenever I was coaching. Don't be the guy who's last in conditioning drills. Don't be the guy who cheats at, You know, when we're doing our stuff at practice. Don't be that guy who's late to practice. So this kid took this phrase that I used all the time to apply to so many different circumstances, and that was his senior quote. Don't be that guy who does that. Um, so, this impact of these words uh, that we have as coaches are huge, so uh, my message to you as a listener is if you got your old coach 's phone number, shoot him a text. He would love to hear from you. He would love to hear about uh, you know the impact or with the words or whatever um, you know i 'm sure coach shanahan has gotten lots of text over the last day or so with his birthday coming up and a lot of former players reaching out to him and i 'm sure he 's sitting back looking at his phone with a huge smile on his face. And it's not about the championships. It's not about the Super Bowls. It's about the relationships and the connection that you have with other human beings. And as a coach, your goal is to, yeah, I want to win games. But along the way, I want to teach you all these awesome life lessons so you get that opportunity. And to have those lessons come back to you as a coach is about as fulfilling as a process as you could possibly have.
1: It really is a special family that's created with football because – and in, in all in all team sports, you know, the things you go through. I, I think about last year when, when Coach Shanahan had his Ring of Fame party, and a lot of us went to it, and it wasn't just the players from the championship teams who were there. You know, it it was players who meant a lot to him, scattered around. You know, the, the 14 years he was a head coach here, and and it had nothing to do with the, the Lombardi trophy. It has to do with just the experiences you go through, um, the tough times. You know, which bring you close together, and we, we had a lot of tough times as well during those years I was here. We endured some, the death of, of two teammates, um, the highs and lows of a season, um, disappointment of, of, of not going as far as you thought, the disappointment of being so close to the goal and, and failing, and then, of course, at the end of his tenure here, the disappointment of not making the playoffs and then everybody getting axed. Um, but when the dust settles on all of that and you look back, it's, it's, it's the fondness that you look at with those connections. And I didn't start playing football until I was a freshman in high school. And my freshman year of high school, we did not win a game. We went winless. And then my sophomore year, we went two and seven. And then I went to varsity and we flipped it. We were good. Junior year, senior year. What was the difference? Our coach.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We had a coach who knew how to get through to us, who knew how to get us in line, who knew how to get the most out of us, who played the psychological game with us. To a T, was, he, he, was he, he was a master class in motivating teenagers to believe that they could win um, even when we probably shouldn't have won You know, because we were always outmatched. I went to Pioneer High School in San Jose, and the coach I'm talking about uh, was, an, was a, a mentor of mine named Myron Zaccheo. He's no longer with us. He died of pancreatic cancer about six or seven years ago. And so you talk about reaching out to the coaches who mean a lot to you. Right? You should do it now because you don't know how long they're going to be around. True. Time slips away, man. Mm -hmm. Time is slipping away from us. You know how the days just go and all the people you have in your mind who you care about, who you love, who you miss, who you want to reach out to, who you want to see again. You just don't. For whatever reason, you don't do it. And I think that's just kind of a modern phenomenon we're dealing with we're all just sort of drifting away from each other but uh try to pull it back in rein it back in because you're right man those coaches we are their family yep their extended family and um and they deserve to know it so uh yeah pull out that phone, text your old coach, call your old coach, even get together, man. Like, I just wish there were more, like, reunions for teams. I just wish there were reunions for teams that weren't champions. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. Tyler's talked about this. I I know I'll see the guys from Super Bowl 50 again because there's going to be parties for that. Right. But what about the parties for the dudes who just went 9-7, and you know, and didn't make the playoffs but were really, really close? Will I ever see those guys again? Will I ever see that coach again? So you don't have to be a champion to have that bond. Is the point. So, uh, make sure you reach out.
0: Yeah, you know, often on the show we've talked about uh, put your phone down. Well, in this case, pick your phone up. Pick your phone up. Hit him up. Hit up your coach. Let him know what you what he meant to you. Let him know how important he was to you. What he what he did for you uh, as you grew from a boy to a man and all those kind of things. So, yeah, that's uh, that's my thought for the day. Coach Shanahan's seventieth birthday brought that to mind. Uh, this coaching thing is special. Those connections are real and special. And uh, make sure you let Coach know how you feel.
1: Yep. happy birthday, Shanny. Pick up your phone and call your coach. Um, All right, man, Bradley Chubb is a name we haven't talked about in a long time because he's been healthy, because he's been balling, because we haven't been – questioning whether or not he's going to be on the field. He's been on the field. He took the podium yesterday, and he talked about uh, another player on defense with some glowing words. We'll get into that next. You're listening to Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Checker, swinging sword lecture, holding down the sector, supreme neck protector, better one him kid, myth the meta and pop, about to blow his lid from the pressure, too hot for TV, for cheesy. too many wanna be hard, be easy, it's all in together, going all out together, it don't take much to please me, ah, uh, you know, Chad, I came off on the wrong beat, and so it, it, it screwed me up, but uh, you wouldn't know it, you wouldn't know it, you got skills, man, you, you wouldn't never have guessed. You know it's like when a football play doesn't work out perfectly it's it's a touchdown everyone in the f- uh, stands is screaming but the head coach is like it it didn't go right it's not how we drew it up so he can't be happy about it just be happy about it right you busted the flow i'll accept it i busted the flow and that was the rock wilder by method man and red man we got some texts coming in about uh well the last segment distractions and um one of our um frequent texters Rogan bro i call him uh he said Nate going to Vegas this weekend for our fantasy football 40th anniversary, keeping the boys together. Anyone out there doing anything like that? Keeping the fellas together, old teammates, anniversaries, fantasy football drafts, or, or and 40 years. That's a lot of fantasy football. I yeah. They were doing fantasy football in 1982, Rogan, bro? Head of the curve, man. Head of the curve. I also want to put this out there to the texters because um, someone – suggested this on the text line. We were talking about Josh Johnson or Brett Rippon. What do you guys think? What do the texters think? Uh, let us know. 303-713-1043. Josh Johnson or Brett Rippon? Who do you feel comfortable going into the game when we're 7-2, and two, Russell gets hurt, to carry the torch for two or three games until he gets back? Okay, before the break, we're talking about Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb is a guy we talked a lot about the last couple years, about his inability to stay healthy, all the injuries, He's dealt with. He's been healthy so far. He's looked like a beast so far. People have had nothing but praise for him so far. Well, he took the podium yesterday and had praise for another Bronco, new teammate Randy Gregory.
2: Violent, man. The way he, you see those long arms, he's scratching his knees, standing straight up, and he just (laughs) uses those to his advantage. He um, does a lot of great things with his length. His first step is amazing. So I'm just excited to see him. uh, He already got some, some reps in. I'm just excited to see him keep building off of it.
0: Violent. I got to, you know, I got to agree. Um, I haven't seen Bradley, Ch- I'm sorry, Randy Gregory at practice. But, uh, you know, at the dinner last night, um, Randy Gregory is a, you know, long human being. Um, so if I'm an edge guy, from a pass rush perspective, I can see why he can be successful at that uh, length, height, um, like slim, but not skinny, like muscular slim. So he's got a great build for it all. Um, I could see... Him sticking that long arm on your chest and, and walking you back as an offensive tackle. I'm excited to see this guy go. Um, you know, th- there's obviously been fits and starts to his career. Um, some of it uh, injury related, some of it uh, self uh, you know uh, self inflicted, self inflicted wounds. You know, and uh, to speak about it in that way. But um, if he can be healthy and be you know a, a, a consistent contributor. The size, length, speed ratio that he presents um, is pretty awesome. I think he's best football maybe in front of him.
1: I like the violent part because that's what's been missing, it feels like, with his defense. Uh, A sense of urgency, a sense of directness, violence, uh, instilling some fear in the opposition. Bradley Chubb went on to talk about uh, just if the defense is trying to create more takeaways this year than last year.
2: Yeah, for sure. More takeaways, more... Uh, I feel like we're going to be playing with the lead a lot, so more chances to get after the quarterback, more chances for them to be stressing and trying to come back and win a game and uh, for, like you said, that, that front group to to close the game out. And I know the DB's going to do everything they got to do, but as a front, we, we want to be the ones that make all the plays. We break it down on Playmakers every day because we want to be the, the 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 people pushing this defense and doing what we got to do. So I feel like um, with our offense success, it's going to for sure help us out.
1: One, two, three. Playmakers! So... He he brings up an interesting point about the lack of turnovers, right? It's from it's playing from behind like the Broncos have been doing. Right. With a really anemic offense, how do you really get after the after the quarterback when they're just protecting the lead and running the ball and not doing anything risky and really not dropping back? Uh, do you see Russell Wilson's addition as an opportunity for Bradley Chubb to get after the quarterback?
0: Oh, absolutely. This offense is more more effective. Uh, it scores more points than the opportunity as a pass rusher is going to be greater if you're always playing from behind you know, the opposing offense can lean on the run game more and just going to lessen your opportunities. Um, so, yeah, Russell Wilson changes the prospect of Bradley Chubb's successful season. Um, the the construction of a playoff team, you know, look at what the Colts did with Peyton Manning. So they had Dwight Feeney and Robert Mathis. Um, Peyton Manning and the offense got the lead then, uh, once that lead happened, the other team had to catch up. Defensively, they were able to unleash uh, Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis. Both those guys ended up with 100-plus sacks in their career.
1: So without Peyton, they wouldn't have got that.
0: They wouldn't have got that. It's, it's a, the, the, a, the, the tie between those together – the lead, a franchise quarterback who can develop a lead, and then your ability for your edge rushers to get opportunities is just a clear tie. So for Bradley Chubb and for Randy Gregory, they got to be stoked that Russell Wilson's under center. Guys like Malik Reed, who's going to be part of that rotation, they got to be stoked. Uh, Baron Browning, he's going to get opportunities because Russell Wilson's under center. So that whole edge room, whoever makes his final roster, uh, they need to give Russell some dap and this offense some dap because that's going to give them the opportunities to make those sacks, which then in turn gets them paid. Everyone likes money. Uh, yes. Last time I checked, everyone likes
1: money. Is there anyone out there that just doesn't like money? Um, I don't know that person. No, he or she is out there. Guaranteed. They are. guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yes. Burn your money. Burn your money. So Bradley <laughs> Chubb. Um, also, went on to talk because he, he's been he's been dealing with injury issues and it's just been so deflating. Even through that, he was able to make a Pro Bowl and have a 12 sack season his rookie year. But between that and ACL injury and obviously the bone spurs that he dealt with last year, he talked about getting back to the normal. Bradley,
2: man, just being myself, man, just going out there and uh, doing everything I know I know to do, and don't try to like play outside of uh, or stress and try to make a you know what I'm saying big plays and stuff. Just play to the defense and um, make sure that I do it at a high level.
1: So he touches on something that's interesting, you know, overextending yourself when you are, you know, feeling desperate, when you are feeling like the pressure's on you. We've been talking about, is he a bust? It's a make or break year for Bradley Chubb. How, much, how important is it to stay within yourself and not, tr- and not try to s- do something that you're not or be something that you're not on a football field?
0: I think that's probably one of the ten, top ten most used training camp cliches play within yourself. What does it mean? What does that mean? Um, okay.
1: Um, not play with yourself, play within yourself. Right.
0: right. Uh, let's, you know, I'm assuming a lot of listeners are golf guys. And I'm not a great golfer. Um, but when I have my most success on the golf course, it's when I recognize my skill set and I just try to play consistent. My swing is consistent. If I approach my tee shot and think to myself, oh, man, I'm about to kill this thing.
1: Mm. Three hundred and fifty hey, yards right down the right down no, the pipe. That hey, never goes that crush way. Crush it. Hey,
0: yes. If I bring any crush it mentality to it, it's it's off to the right, it's off to the left, and I hit the top of the ball and it, you know, just goes twenty yards on the ground. Let the club do the work, man. Yes, yes, let the club do the work. Be consistent with your swing. And that's kind of what playing within yourself is. You know, if you if you you know, you're lined up as Riley Chubb and you're the edge rushing, you're like, Oh man, I'm about to get a sack here. No. Let the move reveal itself. This offensive tackle is going to tell you what your move should be. He opens his shoulders to the sideline, then you pull him back. He keeps squared up, then you take the edge. You know, there's a there's a there's a ebb and flow to this. And if you start, uh, you're trying to way you trying to grit your way through it, then you don't see Hold the on. signs. You don't you see tell him. Th-
1: you telling me that you're not down there in your three point stance, gritting your teeth, about ready to unleash fury on an offensive lineman who's trying to stop you. Like you can't play football like you play golf. Well, that's there's a reason why all football players suck at golf.
0: So no, it's not the direct equivalent of of that, but the 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 general mindset of
1: oh, I'm about to get a sack and I'm about to crush this dude. Then you're not well. How, do you, how into do you the keys? What are you talking about? What, what's the self talk then? Is it like I might get a sack, I might not. I'm no. just going to like. What are you telling yourself?
0: Okay, it's it's all right. So let's let's look at our keys. Let me get a great first step. Then after that, let me read this offensive tackle because he's going to tell me what to do here. If I come up, if my plan is already set and I don't read what the tackle's doing, then that's when you're kind of gritting your way through it and you're playing outside of yourself. You're playing within yourself. You're reading your keys. You're allowing this offensive tackle to tell you what move you need to go to. So that's the, the ebb and flow of being, uh, you can't attack a wave. You have to ride. A wave as a, as a surfer. There's some, another Southern California reference from my childhood. (laughs) So you have to, you have to ride the wave. And as a football player, there's certainly times where you have to ride things. You don't get to just impose your will everywhere you go. There's certain tells out there that tell you what to do. So if you're going to play within yourself, a majority of the time, Yes, you're going to read the offensive tackle's keys. You're going to understand the down, the distance, in the situation and not break the huddle with, get a sack, get a sack, get a sack. What if it's it's a draw? What if it's a screen? You you can't just be so closed off that you're trying to make plays that aren't there. You have to make the play that is there.
1: All right, in that light then, you heard Bradley's uh, comments there. He said that they're breaking down the huddle as a unit, one, two, three, playmakers. Yes. Because they want to be playmakers. Is that creating the wrong mindset there are they going to be stretching themselves out trying to make plays and not doing the sound defensive thing that's going to help them their team win
0: well see i actually like that because now it's on the front of your mind sometimes you're trying to make a tackle and there's other times where you have the wherewithal the mental bandwidth as you're going to make the tackle and you see oh he's got the ball up high punch it out so if we're constantly reinforcing the thought of making plays punching balls out Tips and overthrows, interceptions, all that kind of stuff that equals playmaking. As we think of from a defensive perspective, uh, it's typically taking the ball from the other team. That needs to be constantly thought about and discussed. So, if you're breaking down every defensive huddle with playmakers and guys begin to think that way, you tend to make more plays. Not that you're forcing it, but when the opportunity comes and it's in your mind, and you see, and you're the second guy to make the tackle, and someone else has got him wrapped up. Do I give this guy an extra shot, or do I go and punch the football out? That's where that playmaker's reinforcement comes into play.
1: Someone texted in, a lot of football players are great golfers. No, they're not. Quarterbacks and No, kickers. they're not. Yeah, quarterbacks and kickers are great golfers, and they're not for football players. No. No, they're not. Everyone knows that. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett has an interesting outlook on practice structure Is he overthinking it a little bit? We're going to dive into that next. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. Well, it's almost that time of year again, guys. King Super's fan Pick'Em is back. Time to get registered for your chance to win free groceries for a whole year. Sign up at com slash picks and go head-to-head all season long with all the fan hosts and find out who knows the most about football. Do you think it correlates, Chad, those who do well and pick them know more about football, or is it just luck? Uh,
0: <laughs> there's a certain luck aspect to it. Uh, to be clear, I'm coming to kick butt this year. I think oh, because
1: in years past you weren't. No, I was. You casually. were trying.
0: It was, I was just yeah. casually involved in the fan pick'em. This year, I'm coming to. I'm bringing it this year. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. It's uh, yeah. I, I'm I'm expecting to have success, and I'm expecting that my football knowledge will lend itself
1: to my success. Well, we shall see, my friend. We will see. Game on. Okay, Nathaniel Hackett uh, talked yesterday about being intentional. Now, he's intentional about a lot of stuff. He he has his designs on the way he thinks it's going to work. And he talked yesterday about being intentional when it comes to practice to make it as close to a game day experience as possible, including starting practice later than normal. You know, I I think obviously that is something that's always good. Um, Really, when you look into it, it's always good for people to practice in the environment that they're going to play, just kind of like taking a test or anything like that. But uh, for the most part, it's more so we can just get all the things detailed and installed prior to practice. So we always want to have that done as much as possible, and I've always kind of liked doing it a little later instead of earlier once you get into that game week. Yeah, so I think, I mean, Coach Shanahan used to do the same thing, but it was in the reverse. So typically we would practice early afternoon during the season, but if we were going to play in East Coast... Uh, morning game, he bumped it up. Yep, and we had practice early in the morning to get that body clock right. I think it's more important to do it that way, the reverse than the opposite way. Like you know, if you're used to practicing at ten or eleven in the morning, and all of a sudden you got to practice at one p.m. or two p.m. Is that that much of a difference? Or I'm sorry, play at one or two p.m. Is that that much of a difference? But you go out to the East Coast, uh, time changes by two hours, and everything. Obviously, all all of a sudden. Gets a little crazy. Your alarm clock goes off at seven thirty, which is really five thirty. Yep. Right. You get breakfast. You get on the bus for 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 whatever an eleven a.m. start here, and just it it's, it changes your routine. Did you find that at, at all in your experience? Totally. I mean, I played with the Seahawks for eight years, and
0: we had West East Coast games, and that's it's a tricky it's a tricky switch. To, would you guys do two nights over we, there? Or uh, we would fly out on Friday. If we went any further than Kansas City, we would fly out on Friday. Okay and um, try to ad- adjust our clocks to the East Coast time. And then that last Friday practice before we left, that practice was at least two hours earlier on the field time to try to get our bodies going for the anticipated start time. So there's there's a little bit of uh, science involved in that. Uh, you know, I think Coach Holmgren... Uh, came from San Francisco or before Before he was in Green Bay. He was in San Francisco, and maybe Bill Walsh had commissioned a study on how the proper way to do that, and the 49ers were definitely one of the best teams of that era, and they had to travel to the East Coast all the time. Um, so all those West Coast teams...
1: Faced- so how did they, that's what they did two days before type of thing? Yes. Because we, we rarely did the two days before thing here. Mm-hmm. When we went to the East Coast, we'd just go the day before okay, and go play. Um, but um, a couple times we did two days before, and I don't know if there's a rhyme or reason to it, like Florida versus New York or, like, how you do that. I guess you guys just got to have a pulse on your team.
0: Yeah, uh, I wasn't a fan of it, you know, because it's just another day gone, another day of laying around a hotel room I didn't think was a very productive way to do things. I understood the science behind it. Uh, But I think there's a certain, you know, there's a certain uh, benefit, maybe psychologically, to Uh, shifting the practice time to game time. Whenever I played in a Sunday night or a Monday night game or a Thursday night game in Pittsburgh, the practice the night before or two days before was in the stadium under the lights. I think to get you used to the lights, the lights are different than the sun, the shadows, and how the ball feels and looks and all that is different. And uh, you kind of get your body clocked, you know, you're going to kick off at 9 o'clock, you know, p.m. That's a late start, East Coast time. So to be able to pull all that off, take some, take some uh, I think, uh, accommodations to the practice schedule to be able to do that. Um, when I mentioned that to Coach Holmgren in Seattle, he had never done that before. So uh, he was like, "This is that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I was like, no, it's not really dumb. I mean, that's what we did uh, with Bill Cowher and the Steelers. So we did that for the first Monday night game I think the Seahawks had in like 10 years. Um, we won that game. So then after that, whenever we played a night game, we practiced in the stadium under the lights um i thought it was a great fun thing to do it gets the guys hyped up you're about to play on sunday night football or monday night football it is a special football game and so to have that night practice i thought it added a little extra intensity that's what we you know did in pittsburgh so brought that to uh seattle and then in new england we did the same thing on a sunday night or monday night game or thursday night game we would practice in the stadium under the lights
1: Well, using that logic, one would think that Nathaniel Hackett might consider doing that prior to the Monday night game to open the season. I would think so. In Seattle, because you just touched on something that we don't really hear about or talk about very often, and that is the shadows and the way the ball is perceived at night under the lights. Particularly as a receiver. I mean, you go there and you run down the field and the ball's flying through the air and it's behind, or it's in front of the lights and the lights are behind it. It takes a while to get your eyes adjusted to catching a ball in the lights. Versus catching the ball in the daytime when all you do is look up in the air and there's a ball and a blue sky above it. Or there's a the sun somewhere. And when you're a receiver, if you got the sun in your eyes and you know the ball's coming at you, but you can't see the ball, catch the sun. Yeah. Catch the sun. Put that sun right between your hands and you'll catch that ball. Other than that, you should be able to see it. But um, but there is a perceptive difference, right, versus mm-hmm. day and mm-hmm. night. How does that manifest as a defensive player?
0: Uh, not so much uh, interceptions on the balls in the air. The same kind of thing, understanding the shadows and or the the sun if it's a, a day game. So there's a difference there. But that is, you know, from my job perspective, because uh, I wasn't making too many interceptions in my days, it was you know it didn't make a difference to me. I just wanted to get my my internal clock right. I wanted to find a way to be at my most energetic. At 9 p.m. at night, how do I do that? I'm not a coffee guy. I wasn't a, you know, a Fedra or any of that, any of those other stuff guy. Ever? So, uh, Nothing one, once or twice, a couple times. Yeah. But other than that, just how do I get all my— All natural, just, just goat milk and cashy cereal? <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. But, yeah, how do I get my body going when, you know, we've been in training camp on, during, on the field at 8.30 in the morning, yep. all training camp long. Now the first game is a Monday night game. How do I shift my schedule? Literally twelve hours later to be my most energetic at that time.
1: Yeah, Coach Hackett is doing um, is doing it his way, and and you got to think that you know when he got here, he got the job. He laid his book on the table, and George Payton, while he might not agree with every single thing he's doing here, he's allowing him to do it his way and see how it plays out. We talked yesterday a little bit about the process versus the product, and I know some people. um, I heard the drive picking up on that idea and thinking, hey, it is fair to scrutinize the process every single day to say whether you did that right or did that wrong. Um, I happen to think that the product is the game, okay? The product is the game, and it's not just one game. We're giving this guy this season to figure out if his process equals a good product, and until then, we got to sit back and let the man work. I think George Payton feels the same way. All right, we are just a couple of days away from the preseason finale. What are we going to see in that game? What can we expect to see? We'll get into that next. It's Chad and Nate on Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. <laughs> rap songs of all time by the loonies with special guests i got five on it one of our deaf texters pointing out nate it's not goat milk it's nut milk and that's true when we're talking about you chad it is nut milk
0: but i do from time to time put goat milk in the rotation uh what else is in the rotation today uh, i finished up my uh, carton of macadamia
1: milk nut milk Nut juice. Macadamia nut milk. Yes. Wow, dude. How much does that run you?
0: I think it's... Uh, $38. No, it's like four fifty uh a carton or something like that. Cashew nut milk, you had that? I've had cashew. I've, if Brazil it, nut milk? Uh, that, that's a harder one to find, but I've had that.
1: If there is a nut, someone has milked it. Pistachio milk? There is that as well. You're saying everyone's found a way to milk whatever nut they could find? Uh, yes, and there's... What happens when you, you you get all the juice out of the out of the nut? What then? Uh, then I think
0: that uh, leftover does it regenerate, or you just throw it away? <laughs> no, I think that leftover stuff gets used for like animal feed.
1: <laughs> so, in the break, we were talking. Actually, you were asking me if I saw uh, Tyron Smith's injury. Yes, he tore his hamstring off the attachment in the back of the knee. Yes, which uh, I know about because I tore my hamstring off the attachment, but the one up by. The butt bone off of the pelvis essentially and the surgery to reattach it was a doozy we were sharing surgery stories right um, they had to make a three inch scar in my gluteal fold which is right under your butt cheek right and only a few short inches from uh, well a troublesome area <laughs> I had to cap I had to be completely hey, my leg had to be completely straight not just from the knee but at the hip. And so imagine going to the bathroom with without bending either your hip or your knee. It feels impossible. It I'm, nearly was. I'm, I'm surprised you survived. I am too. <laughs> but you also shared an interesting story about uh, an experience uh, coming out of surgery. Yeah, so I had
0: surgery on uh, my left shoulder, my left knee, and my left big toe all at the same what? time. Yes. This wow. Was like, this was at CU. I had a meniscus cleanup. I had a uh, shoulder subluxation, it was the popping out, so they had to tighten it up. And then while they were there, I was like, you know what? I got an ingrown toenail. You might as well take that out as well.
1: An ingrown toenail? Yes. That's hilarious. At that least of my concerns. you was like, yeah, give me a haircut, too, while you're there. <laughs> yeah. While just I'm out, shave. Just, just do it all.
0: But while I'm coming too, you know, I'm in the recovery room, and the nurse says, okay, you know, you've got to be able to uh, pee, basically. Otherwise, we've got to go with a catheter. And I was like, you know what? I'm just not really interested in that. She's like, you know, if if you don't go in a certain period of time, I've got to do that. So I'm in the bed and I'm, you know, trying to really mentally get myself ready to go, but I'm laying in the bed and I'm trying to lean over in the bed and use the the bed pan, and that's not really working out so well. I'm like, oh, I'm, I've, been sta- I've been peeing, standing up for a long time in my life. So let me put my feet on the ground. Um, my butt's on the bed. My feet are on the ground. It's not quite enough of an angle for my mind to say, okay, it's time to pee. So uh, I got the bedpan in one hand, so I decided let me just kind of stand up a little bit. Well, in the process of standing up, suddenly I realized, oh, you had left toe surgery and left knee surgery at the same time <laughs> as, your, as your left arm is strapped to your body because you had left shoulder surgery, and my knees buckle. In the process of buckling, I fall further away from the bed. I rip my IV out. Now blood is squirting everywhere. And then I feel the urge to pee. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take advantage of this time right now. And I pee on the floor.
1: It's like the sound of blood squirting everywhere allowed you to urinate. Yes.
0: Oh. So uh, as I'm finishing up, uh, I, you know, I can't reach the help button uh, on the bed because my left arm is strapped down to my body. So I just start yelling for the nurse, help, help, help. Help, help, help. So she comes in. She sees this absolute mess on the floor. There's blood everywhere, there's pee everywhere. She says, you look like you had a bit of an accident. I said, yes, but I do not need a catheter.
1: (laughs) Look at that, man. Yes. The things we go through as football players.
0: She cleaned me up, put me back in bed. I took like an hour nap. Somebody from CU came and picked me up, and that was my CU uh,
1: surgery story. And was that all? Did you have all three surgeries you had at CU in one shebang bang In one shebang bang yes. Look at that. Uh, Well, hopefully none of these Broncos are going to need any surgeries after this last preseason game. Nathaniel Hackett talked a little bit about how he feels about preseason now compared to years past. Gosh, my earliest memory was I I wasn't a big fan of them, you know, just experiencing some of the things that, you know, my father had to experience through that. Um, You're always excited to see the guys play. I mean, it's always fun on game day. It doesn't matter whether it's preseason or not. So you appreciate that aspect of it, getting into the stands or getting into the stadium and seeing the fans in the stands. Um, All those things are awesome. And just going through that operation is always good. From the standpoint of the players being out there, you know, it's one of those things, it's like I've said before, it's risk-reward. You know, you want to see evaluations on certain people, but at the same time, you want to have everybody available all the time. I wonder to what extent other head coaches agree with Nathaniel Hackett. You know, because it, clearly there are coaches who value preseason and who do think that giving starters opportunities um, is worth the risk to get you guys ready to go play because the September games, even though it's a crap shoot, you never know who's going to win. The end, in the end, it does matter, right? September games do matter, right? Yeah. So so do you think that preseason games are going to go the way of the dinosaur?
0: I think they'll always be a part of football. Will they reduce it down to two? I think that's next. Um, the owners have talked about wanting to have eighteen regular season games. That was the next move for them. So I can see that trade off working maybe well with the NFLPA. Um, so yeah, so two games is going to be next, and with more and more folks uh, looking at preseason as Nathaniel Hackett does, as Sean McVay does. Um, yeah, I can see that the process literally being hey these are the guys who are hoping to make the team they got to go out there and prove it in these two games i'll try my best to use joint practices and our regular practice to get my players ready and because it's an 18 game season now there's maybe a little bit more wiggle room to not start the season so perfectly fast and say, you know what, if we're not ready to hit the ground full, 100% full speed uh, in the first week of September, that's okay uh, because it's going to be an even longer season and the marathon has gotten longer and to try to sprint out the gates may not be the best philosophy. So, uh, yeah, the game is going to continue to evolve and I think that's going to be another step in its evolution.
1: In football and in life, if you approach it with the idea that I just don't want to get hurt does that ensure that you are indeed going to get hurt?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, maybe not absolutely, but I think it increases your chances. Um, my wife and I uh, had a place up in Winter Park, and during football season, that's when ski season is, so I really got to enjoy it during ski season, although I got to be a decent snowboarder, but I really love downhill mountain biking during the summer. Um, and so I loved it so much that I got her a bike and then got her all the pads and all that, and she was good. She was good. Um, She wasn't, you know, doing like all the trellises and all that stuff, but she was good. Um, But then she had a bad fall. And I took her up the mountain maybe um, a couple weeks later that same summer. And she was riding the brakes and was stiff and uncomfortable. And I was like, I think we should do this one more time, a couple weeks, and see if you can move past this. And we did it one more time. I was like, that's it. You're scared. And you are going to hurt yourself really bad. Because you are so scared. You're no longer fluid and comfortable on a bike. You are scared and stiff. And that's going to make you even more prone to falling and hurting yourself. So that was literally the last time she rode a downhill mountain bike. I was like, okay, we don't even have to go down the mountain. We can walk back up the hill and take the chairlift down. That's how scared you are. Yeah, because if you're, if you're that afraid, you're not going to be able to play comfortably and freely and protect yourself.
1: I think that's my one fear with his team is that they're going to be focusing so much on that because Coach has clearly made that a priority to talk about not getting hurt, not getting injured, being available later. You know Whether or not Mike Shanahan used to feel that way or try to create a trajectory for his team that kept us healthy, he never talked about it. He never talked about not getting hurt. He talked about protecting each other and doing things the right way. But if you start to obsess on not doing one thing, Sometimes it makes it more likely that you will do that one thing. All right, Chad, that's it for us on this Thursday. Stick around for Stokely and Zatch. They're next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of myspecialmortgage.com.